Hi, I'm Gilbert. I'm one of the pastors at Victory, and I'm the president of Every Nation Philippines. We're committed to plant churches, reach campuses, and bring the gospel to the nations. I hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. All of us, we value freedom. We do not want lockdown. I guess we're tired of lockdowns already after more than two years. Uh, we don't want our rights to be suppressed. We want freedom to move, freedom of speech, freedom to work, freedom to go back to school. I'm sure that the students are you know, excited to go back to an on-site learning. Freedom to pursue the dreams that we all have. Freedom to travel maybe for some. Freedom to vote this year. We'll be voting already. Freedom to choose the candidates that you like and that you feel that should lead this nation. We want financial freedom. Freedom to buy the things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Uh, freedom is a right that we all have. But how about spiritual freedom? You know, many times we feel that we are in prison and we're trapped and we go back to the same problem over and over again. And I believe that all of us would like to have a fresh start. 2022, new year, fresh start. But yet many only get frustrated and we all fall back to the same trap that holds us. My question for us today is, is there a way of escape from the things that hold us back, like addictions or lusts or bitterness, maybe loneliness for some or depression, fears, anxieties, fear of failure. You can actually fill in the blank. You know what? I believe there's hope. And we will find that hope from the Word today. So I encourage all of you to open your Bibles. We're all going to read right now still from the book of John, John chapter 8. And we will read from verses 23 to 36. I'm reading from the ESV version and I enjoin you all to join me here as we read God's Word for all of us. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. And you are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you, you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They didn't understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent is, uh, me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed him. Verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. This is the word 
of the Lord. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. And I pray, God, that you would anoint the preaching of your word today. Illuminate this word. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to understand your truth. And may your truth set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, to uh, give us a quick background or understanding of the context of uh, how this happened. It was the Feast of the Tabernacles uh, when Jesus was preaching in the temple and the huge crowd was gathered around the temple. And the scribes and the Pharisees actually brought a, an adulterous woman. You know, if you look at uh, the beginning of chapter 8, you will find that the woman caught in adultery was like the caption of that. So they brought to Jesus an adulterous woman and they said to him, she deserves to be stoned to death according to the law of Moses. Now Jesus wisely replied, let him who is without sin among you be the one to throw the first stone at her. And then Jesus started writing on the ground and one by one, the people left until it's only Jesus and the woman that was left alone standing in front of him. Jesus asked the lady, where are your accusers? And the woman answered him, no one, Lord, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, it's like Jesus prepared a perfect backdrop to the lesson that he's about to emphasize as we have read earlier. How can an adulterous woman go and live a life that is free from sin? Now, later on, another crowd gathered and the Pharisees showed up again as Jesus was once again teaching in the temple. And the Jews were present and they were engaging with Jesus with a dialogue about freedom and about the rights as Jews. Then Jesus talked about how it is to be a disciple. And how it is to follow Jesus. Now, of course, in victory, we understand that you know, uh, a, a disciple of Christ is someone who follows Jesus, someone who fishes for men, and someone who fellowships with fellow believers. But following Jesus is not just to follow Him from a distance, but to be close to Him because He wants us to be near Him. In fact, Jesus' first statement in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it's filled with promises. In fact, three things follow the initial if. If you abide in me. And he's speaking to the people about this. And for those who express belief in him, what he's saying is this, if you abide in my word, then three things will happen. You are truly my disciples. It's a proof of your discipleship. Secondly, you will know the truth. If you abide in my word, if you abide in me, you will know the truth. And then thirdly, the truth will set you free. Now, how many of you would like to have that as reality in your life, the truth setting you free from all the things that's holding you back? And we've heard the word abide again. Of course, we're, you know, this whole series is entitled Abide. And Jesus emphasized this from the passage that if you abide in me, now, when you talk about the meaning of abide, to abide means to dwell. It means to reside. It means to tabernacle. And another meaning is to continue in His Word. You know, to abide means not just to visit.
To abide means not just to book maybe in a hotel or air Airbnb. To abide is actually to make your place permanent in a certain abode or a certain place or a house. The point of Jesus is simple, but you know, it's all-encompassing. What He is saying is this, remaining connected in Him and His Word is the true essence or measure of discipleship. Let me say that again. Remaining connected to Jesus and His Word is the true measure of discipleship. So my question for us today is, are we connected with Him? Are we connected with the vine? Are we connected with the Word? This is what distinguishes people who are free from those who are not. It is a path to the truth and a path to freedom. I remember many, many years ago, back in the early 90s, maybe some of you don't even know this movie, I remember a dialogue from a very nice, classic movie of all time for me. It was a movie by Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, a movie entitled A Few Good Men. And maybe some of you have watched that movie. And I I remember this particular scene when uh, Tom Cruise was actually... Uh, questioning Jack Nicholson in, a, in like a courtroom and he was actually pinning him down and it was a heightened emotion for both. And then Tom Cruise actually asked him, Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? I want the truth. And then Jack Nicholson replied, you can't handle the truth. You know, I love that scene. Maybe the millennials and the Gen Z don't even know what that is. But it's a nice 1992 classic movie. But the question for us today is this. Do you know the truth? And can you handle the truth? Now what is this truth that Jesus is talking about in the Scriptures? Now this gospel, this truth, does not even refer to a philosophical ideal or the opposite of falsehood. It is the knowledge of God as revealed in Jesus' own self. That is the truth. When Jesus was talking about the truth, He was referring not only to the Scriptures or the, uh, the Pentateuch that was present in that time, He was referring to Himself. Knowing this truth is knowing God. God made present in Jesus who is the way the truth, and the life. In fact, Jesus makes this clear in verse 36 when He substitutes the Son for the truth, saying that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. A Son and truth, Jesus Himself is the very revelation of God. You know, it's interesting that Jesus does not present Himself as a self-evident truth. He does not expect His hearers to grasp the fullness of His claim all at once. You know, just like in the movie Matrix. You know, it's all movies, right? The movie Matrix, when you swallow the blue pill, and then you understand the essence of the universe. Now, Jesus is not expecting all of us to just figure out everything about Him in one setting. It's more like us. His children, His disciples will come to know Him as the truth if we live with Him and remain connected to Him and His Word. 
It is about experience. Not just logic, not just reason. Experience is the key to freedom. Now, let me illustrate this through my marriage. You know, before when I was a single person, um, I would study books, attend seminars or lectures about marriage. I would try to understand the truth about marriage, that it is the union and the commitment between a man and a wife that no matter what happens, they will never give up and continue to trust God and each other. Until I met Shirley. And then we got married. And then we experienced what marriage is all about. In fact, more than the books and the seminars we've attended, more than the books that we've read, you know, about marriage and all the topic about, you know, raising up children, yes, it helped us understand what marriage is all about. But the reality is, it was our journey together and our experience that allowed us to have a greater grasp of the truth and the meaning of marriage. It was going through lack, going through difficulties in life, going through the pain of losing a son, getting sick, experiencing breakthroughs, experiencing provisions. You know, all these things that we have been praying for that God met us gave us a better understanding and grasp of the truth of marriage, raising up kids, not in a contextual, you know, just a bookish way, but reality, the experience of seeing your kids grow up and walk in the ways of God. It is abiding and living with and continuing with Shirley and my children that gives me a better and a complete picture of the truth of marriage. And I believe that in the same way, knowing the truth is not just a token reading of God's Word, 10 minutes a day in our devotion. Let me just tell you something. The devil lies to us 24-7. And we can never counter those lies by doing a short devotion as we hurry out from our homes to go to work or to attend school. It is a constant dwelling and abiding and connecting with Jesus every minute of the day. You see, truth is not a concept. It is not a belief system. Because truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. And He is the life. And unless we encounter Jesus and walk with Him as His disciples, we will not be able to experience the freedom that He promises. Jesus was talking about freedom. He said, the truth shall set us free. Now, what is this freedom? Only in this passage in John chapter 8 does freedom language appear in the whole book of John. And as Jesus mentioned freedom, He offended His hearers, the Jews, who insisted that they've always enjoyed freedom, even though ironically during that time they were living under the Roman Empire. Yet Jesus contends that without Him, we will all live as slaves. And the Jews during that time also, he was pointing out, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins and you will be slaved. Jesus distinguished between freedom and slavery. You know, talking about being a disciple of Jesus, being a disciple or becoming a disciple of Christ is really all about self-denial. In fact, Jesus himself said, if any one of you wants to be my disciple, 
you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. But we think that freedom is the opposite. Freedom is about self-rule. It's about doing what you want to do because you're free. Like, you do your own thing. You do your own rules. You follow your own heart. You know, you feel that freedom is like that. But guess what? When you are a disciple of Christ, it is not about self-rule. It's about self-denial. And many people do not want to follow Jesus because they think that following Him and reading the Bible is very restrictive. And that they will not have a life anymore. No more fun. No more party. No more, you know, I can't enjoy life anymore. But Jesus is saying the exact opposite. You will have freedom when you follow me. You will have life when you follow Jesus. It is when you follow your flesh that you will be enslaved to sin and to bondage. Now let me just talk about three truths that will set us free. That's only the introduction. Sorry, guys. I'm excited to preach today, okay? But this is just three short truths that Jesus promised how we will be set free. Number one is this. Freedom is not about being masterless, but having the right master. You know, let me just tell you this. We are all slaves of someone or something, whether you'd like to admit or not. We all have masters. The real question is, whose slave are you? In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 23, he said this, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Jesus is telling us, that He is the designer of our life. He was the one who created us. He knows what's best for us. He's not of this world. He's from above or from below. Jesus wants us to be free. In fact, Jesus designed the blueprint of our life. Now, if you are a contractor or an architect or a builder, if you are to build a house, then you must follow the, the blueprint or the design because that's, the, the, you know, that's definitely what should be followed in order for that house to have a sturdy foundation. Now, for example, if you're praying to you know, maybe construct a new house, when you're constructing a new house, you don't just throw a door or a wall or a room extension wherever you want just so that you will follow your heart or you follow what, you know, your, your, what you think is right. You follow the blueprint. You follow the design of the architect. You follow the design of the builder. Because the architect did and studied the blueprint in order for that house to have a sturdy foundation. God created us, and He knows us well. God knows you. God knows you even before you were born. He knows what you are supposed to do. He designed your purpose. And as your creator, God knows how you're supposed to live your life. Now, for me, this is liberating because I don't have to reinvent myself. I just have to follow the design of my creator because what he's saying to us, I know what's best for you. When Jesus calls us to be his disciples, like to be the Lord of our life, what he's saying is he's inviting us into freedom and not the opposite, which is slavery. The world thinks 
that if Jesus is Lord, then I don't have freedom anymore because He will tell me or dictate to me what to do. No. What He's saying is He knows what's best for us because He is not a tyrant or a slave driver. In fact, He is a shepherd to us. If you're familiar with Psalm 23, He will lead me beside quiet waters. He'll give what's best for me. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's who Jesus is to us. He's a shepherd, good shepherd. And if we depend on Jesus, we will know the truth. And it will lead us into wisdom to be free. The root of sin is self-will. And it's doing things that are independent of God. You know, self-rule is the suicide of the soul. Maybe you are not yet convinced, but you know, I guess living for 50 plus years in my life, I would rather be ruled by God than rule on my own. You know, sometimes we make decisions that are foolish because we think that you know, the ways of the world are right but we need the ways of God. If we think we're free and independent because we can have our own selfish choices that may lead us into a path of destruction and bondage, we become slaves to sin. The reality is we're free to choose whatever we want to do in our life, but we will never be free from the consequences that that life brings. Now, let me give you an example. Maybe you want to be, you know, just wake up in the morning and you want to just suddenly you want to be unfaithful and commit adultery. Do you know that it does not happen overnight? It actually is a process. And when you make that decision because you think you're free to do it because you don't love your wife anymore and you love this woman better than your wife, you may be free to make that decision, but guess what? You're not free from the pain and the misery that it will bring to you and your family. If we think that we're free to do whatever we want with our bodies, like this concept of my body, my rules, guess what? If you abuse your body, then you'll have to pay the consequences for that. Whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's drug abuse, alcohol, uh, lack of rest maybe, in the process, we will eventually lose our liberty. Jesus sets us free from a life of sin and death. You find that in the book of Romans. In fact, he said, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Jesus was telling the Jews that unless you believe in Him, then you will die in your sins. Because it's only by believing and by putting your faith in the complete work of Jesus can we be set free from our sins. Ultimately, Jesus wants to set us free from our sins. Do you believe that? Jesus wants you free. The real struggle that we have is from within. You don't do what you, you know, you don't want to do the wrong thing, but still you do it. Can you relate with me? You know, sometimes you, you, there, there's something that you decide, oh, I will not do it, but you end up doing it. And you want to do the right thing, but you end up not doing it. Even the Apostle Paul recognizes the struggle that we have within us. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 18 to 20, and, uh, you know, I love this passage because he was 
illustrating the struggle and the fight between uh, the, the old nature and his new nature. What he's saying in verse 18 is this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells within me. Can you relate with this statement of the Apostle Paul? Basically, what he's praying is, Lord, may you set me free from me. I'm struggling. I, I, you know, I can't overcome this nature of sin. Guess what? You may want to run away from your problems. Maybe go to Boracay or go to La Union to forget about them, but you're still with yourself because the problem basically is you. Why do you keep on doing and going back to the same old things and struggles like lust, selfishness, pride, insecurity, depression, jealousy, worldliness, etc.? You keep on fighting with your wife, same problems with work, same struggles with school, like you, you, know, you always fight your classmates or your teachers. You want to run and change the environment, but you can never run from you. In fact, in verse 24 of chapter 7 of Romans, the Apostle Paul said, at the end of it, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through whom? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God in my mind, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. My second point is this. Freedom is acquired when we hold on to the truth. In verse 31 and I want to emphasize this particular passage. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth is not a one-time experience. It's not, about, it's not about just going to Victory Weekend or you know, uh, responding to an altar call or doing a devotion. Knowing the truth is about journeying, a lifetime journey with God in the same direction. As we abide and continue to connect with Jesus, He will continuously set us free. We're holding on to the truth and relying on the truth in our lives because it is the truth that we find freedom. You know, the reality is I love reading the Bible every single day. You know, and I make it a discipline. You know, that I, when I wake up in the morning, I get a cup of coffee and I make it a point already to just sit down and I read my Bible, not because I'm a pastor. I read my Bible because I'm a child of God. I read my Bible because I'm a Christian. I read my Bible because I want to abide and know who God is and know what the plans of God in my life is. And as I read my Bible daily, the truth of God's Word confronts my attitude, my sin, my mindsets, my worldview, my selfishness, my bitterness, my pride, sometimes self-sufficiency. But yet when I embrace the truth, this leads me into freedom. And one by one, Jesus himself, you know, chops off the things that needs to be chopped off in my life. And then, that's the process of him setting me free. 
You know, this passage points to the central uh, truth, the radical centrality and the sufficiency of Christ. It's Christ that we need. It's Jesus that sets us free. It's not attending a seminar. It's not going to, uh, you, know, self, uh, you know, reading a self-help book that can set you free. Jesus breaks us free from sin and from its bondage. And we know this. If you're a believer, Jesus himself paid for our sins by his own blood. And that is the good news that is found in the gospel. You can be set free from that guilt and you don't have to hold on to it anymore. The moment that you come to Jesus and his blood washes you, come to the cross, he forgives you of that sin, washes away the guilt and the shame and the truth will set you free. Jesus does not announce a, like a new idea or a new confession to be made that we need to subscribe to. He demands an encounter with himself. What he's asking for us to do today is don't just read the word, encounter him. The one who wrote the word. The one who said those words. We must dwell with him. With this word if we expect true freedom. It's a daily encountering with Jesus. You know, the Pharisees tried to study the Scriptures. In fact, the Pharisees memorized the Torah. They memorized the first five books of the Bible, and yet they don't know the God who wrote them. What Jesus is saying is, encounter me, because I am the one that can give you true freedom. We need to take into heart the claim of Jesus that He is the truth and only Jesus can set us free. And that we're all enslaved to sin and it's beyond our power to break away from sin. Only Jesus can break us free from sin. You know, an addict knows how difficult it is to break free from his addictions. And I've counseled some people, and, you know, the struggle is real. They, they keep on going back to the same place where they were, but yet as they walk with Jesus, Jesus is taking them into freedom. It's actually a process, but yet it is possible. You know, in our recent trip in the U.S., you know, it seems like, you know, taking weed or marijuana is legalized in many cities in the U.S. as a form of medicine. But yet when we you know, when we went to several cities like San Francisco or Los Angeles, LA, we saw that uh, people are using weed not as a form of medicine, but as a form of leisure. You know, we walk in the streets of LA and we smell the smell of weed all over. And it seems like, you know, I don't know if they're sick. You know, it seems like they're enjoying it. You can smell it in the streets of San Francisco and LA. You know, we, we, we tend to have too many bondages in life. Bondage to sin, bondage to the past, bondage to our bitterness, bondage to people's opinions about us, bondage to our jobs. Sometimes even good things can be a bondage. Did you realize that? Bondage to family or to marriage to the point of idolatry. You know, anything that is above God is already idolatry. Sometimes you are in bondage to worries about the future. Freedom comes through discipline in the truth. And you know, when you talk about discipline, discipline happens over time. 
You know, athletes know this. You know, Pastor Johnson, I saw his post recently, and he was training for a triathlon event sometime this year, and he's swimming, and it's a discipline that he's actually going for, you know, swimming, biking, and running. It's a discipline, and discipline happens not overnight, but discipline happens over time. We have to do it consistently, and the same is true with the Word of God. The same is true with the truth. The same is true with our relationship with God. In fact, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers or scoffers. In verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates everywhere, day and night. Not just during the day, but throughout the day, even through the night. And you know, one time I was watching, uh, like a, I think it was a TikTok or a reel from IG. I, I, I forgot. But you know, I, I, saw, a, I saw a video of a, of a pit bull that latches on to something that he's biting. And he would not let go. You know, I believe that that is the picture that God wants us to have when you talk about the Word of God. That we're latching on, no matter how you shake it, you know, that pit bull is actually just, you know, he was holding onto a rope and he was not letting go. You can actually twirl it around and he was going to be, you know, going around in circles and he was letting, he was holding on to that particular rope. And I believe that is the picture we need to have. We need to hold on to the promises of God, no matter what. We need to hold on to the truth of God's Word, no matter what, not only when it's convenient, but especially during times that are challenging, difficult times, changing times, especially with this new year 2022. All the more, we need to hang on to the promises of God. And my last point as I begin to close is this. Freedom comes as we rely on God. Freedom comes as we rely on God. In verse 33, it says, They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You know, as I said earlier, the reality is they were not free at that time. They were in bondage to Rome. In fact, Jesus referred to the story of Abraham, their patriarch, because they were able to relate with Abraham and how he relied on God for God's promises. You know, if you're familiar with the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis, and we don't have to turn there, Abraham made so many mistakes. You know, Ishmael came out of a wrong decision between him and Sarah. But yet God referred to Abraham as his friend. And as having the righteousness that comes by faith. What Abraham did is does this. Abraham believed in the promises of God. And he was willing to the point. Willing to obey to the point of sacrificing his own son. Because God told him to do that. He believed in God so much to the point of God you know who I am. You know your promises and I believe in you. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9, it says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 7, Know then that it is to those of faith 
Who is that? Us, who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know, as you come today in the presence of God in every single day, we know for sure that we are also the sons of Abraham in his lineage because we are children of faith. And this is the lesson that we will learn from Abraham. He was not a perfect follower of God. He made many mistakes, yet he believed in God that he, it led him to be credited with righteousness that led him to have true freedom. You know, God wants us to know Him and walk with Him. And He wants us to lead our lives with love, grace, mercy, truth, blessings. These are all the benefits of the freedom that we have in Jesus. In fact, grace and truth blended together brings us freedom. And do you know where we see that? We see that on the cross. Grace and truth. The perfection of the grace and truth. Jesus is the man of grace. He is also the man of truth. The perfect righteousness and the justice of God is seen on the cross. Grace and truth coming together is an expression of God's love for each and every one of us. Jesus was our substitute because He paid for our sins that led us into our freedom. That if we put our faith and our trust in Him, we're no longer slaves of sin, but we have been given righteousness that comes by faith. And it's only by believing in Jesus that we will have the true freedom that we are seeking. And if you're writing notes, my main point for our sermon this this day is this. We find true freedom when we hold on to the truth. And I pray that we'll all find that freedom that Jesus promises. Maybe some of you are asking, so pastor, what now? What's next? First, you need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling you. He's inviting you. He wants to have an encounter with you. And I believe that Jesus is wanting to have and reveal Himself to all of us. Maybe you're coming into this worship service for the first time and this is the first time that you're hearing this truth of God's Word. You know, it is not an accident that you're here today, my friend. The Holy Spirit is probably calling you right now and He wants to have an encounter with you and you have an encounter with Him. Hear His voice. He's calling you. And we cannot hear the voice of God out of the loudness of the busyness of our schedule. We need to quiet down and pause and stop. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to minister freedom to each and every one of us. Secondly, we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we have broken the heart of God and we need to repent. Hear God, humble. Humility is the key to experiencing the freedom of God. And you know, when you humble yourself, you will experience the grace of God. And He will lift you up in due time.
But we've got to humble ourselves and say, Enough, Lord. Enough of my struggles. Enough of my trying to figure out things on my own. Jesus has the word of life. And it's only in Jesus that we will all have the wisdom to be free. Acknowledge that. Repent of your sins. Thirdly, we need to hold on to the Word of God and receive the freedom that only Jesus can give. Hold on to the promises. Hold on. Never let go. It may be contrary to what you're experiencing right now, but don't ever let go of the promise of God. Just like a pit bull that's holding on to that rope, no matter what happens, go ahead and believe God for His promises and for His freedom. Father, thank you so much for the promise of freedom that we have in Jesus. Lord, I thank you because, Lord, you don't want any of us to be trapped from the sin that entangles us, but you want to to allow us to experience the freedom that we can only find in Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for your blessings. Lord, for those who are sick right now, we pray for healing. And Lord, I thank you that no sickness would come near our dwelling places, Lord God. I pray for quick recovery right now for those who are sick in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those who are in need of provision, I thank you, Lord God, that you are our shepherd. We shall not be in want. May you provide everything that we need even right now in the name of Jesus. Those asking for wisdom, I thank you for your wisdom. For those who are asking for wisdom, Lord God, those may be in the middle of a decision, I thank you, Lord God, that you will give them the right decisions to be made. Lord, I thank you even for greater unity among our families. Strengthen our marriages, God. Lord, uh, strengthen our relationship with our children, Lord God. I thank you that you will give us breakthrough in our workplaces, God. Thank you for your blessing that we have experienced in Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face to you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victory.org.ph to find a church, join a victory group, and give online. Thank you for partnering with us, discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.